When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Second hour of Clay and Buck, and this is one of the great things about live radio when you're hanging with both of us is that things are, things are changing fast over here. The show we had in mind has, uh, has been adapting to the news breaking 90s lounge techno superstar Moby, for those who recall, um, had Hunter Biden on his podcast. We've also got a bunch of calls that we are going to get to. And we've got Clay Travis here who's going to answer the question, do Hunter's legal woes change anything in the big picture? First, though, because he's out there talking to Moby, um, we should hear some of what was said. on. I, I, I truly had no idea that Mr. Moby was uh, on a podcast like this. I also had no idea that one of our staff members, Clay, one of our beloved staff members, has a Moby story, a personal Moby story for us. Perhaps. Perhaps. Not perhaps. It has to be told. I think the story has to be told. Uh, so we, we may bring somebody on the team into this in a second. But in the meantime, yeah, that's what we call a tease. In the meantime, here is Hunter Biden trying to give his side of things on the Moby podcast play it i recognize that none of this is is necessarily about me they are trying to in the in in their most uh illegitimate way but rational way they're trying to destroy a presidency and so it's not about me in their most base way what they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle. And so, therefore, destroying a presidency in that way. I, I'm sorry. I, I do not feel sorry for and, and if anything, I'm I'm uh, too too much of a softy and believe too much in, in mercy and in a lot of, you know, for basically like nonviolent and, you know, non-heinous crimes. I'm usually like, I mean, you know, second chance. Um, Clay. 
He doesn't even face it. His father's the president. He's not going to prison. And the only reason he thought he could get away with all this was that his dad was the vice president. He thought he was protected. Now he's claiming he's being targeted for reasons of politics. He thought he had immunity for all things he did because of politics. You can't make tens of millions of dollars based on your dad and then get mad when because you made tens of millions of dollars because of your dad, that becomes a story. Hunter Biden, Buck, there are probably hundreds of Hunter Biden-ish deals being done. Let's be, I'm not naive, right? If your dad or your mom is in a position of prominence, Washington, D.C. is a networking town. There are lots of kids out there of prominent parents that get jobs that they don't deserve and get paid way more than they otherwise would because of who mommy and daddy are. And it's not unique to Democrats, and it's not unique to Republicans. That's how that town works. uh, Chelsea Clinton, whatever she does has made millions of dollars more than she would have if Bill and Hillary Clinton were not her parents. Sasha and Malia Obama have made way more money than they would have if Mommy and Daddy were not Barack and Michelle Obama. To be fair, the Bush daughters, Laura and Jenna, Laura and Jenna have made way more money than they would have if George W. Bush was not their father. Isn't Jenna Bush on the Today Show now? Jenna Bush would have never been on the Today Show if her dad wasn't president of the United States. And I'm not trying to take a shot at any of those people. People trade on influence. But you know what none of those people that I just mentioned, who are all sons and daughters of presidents, have done? Become crackheads, paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for prostitutes, and failed to pay millions of dollars in taxes all while trading on their parents' names in order to make themselves fabulously wealthy. Also, no one wants Hunter Biden dead, right? It may make Hunter Biden feel better, the idea of, oh, they want me to die because my dad won't be able to handle it. No one wants Hunter Biden dead. No, Look, he the only person who wants Hunter Biden dead is probably him because he's engaged in so much reckless behavior that he's fortunate to be alive. And if he really cared about his father that much... He wouldn't have been, given what happened to Bo, putting himself in the same kind of peril to potentially cause his dad to lose both of his sons. I've got three sons. Nobody's rooting for anybody's son to die. But we do believe in the United States that you should pay taxes. And if you don't pay taxes for millions of dollars and you try to hide income and you trade on your father's name for generations of wealth, then you should be held accountable on some level. The biggest problem here in my mind i should say the two biggest problems one is hunter was above the law because his dad was a powerful democrat for many years that's obvious that's irrefutable now there's no serious argument on the other side so this is the two-tiered justice system that we worry about i would want to know if i could and we haven't played the uh, clip yet have we oh no we did we just played it a second ago. i was gonna say the moby clip we didn't hear from moby just from hunter um we'll hear from Moby, maybe some of his music coming up. But the two-tier justice system, I would want to ask Hunter Biden, uh, how do you feel about nonviolent January 6th protesters who were held in solitary confinement and treated like al-Qaeda terrorists for 18 months before they even had a day in court? 
Did, did, did that bother you? I would want to know. Of course, he would say, no, they're insurrectionists, whatever. And that's when I'm like, okay, you face 17 years. Maybe you do need a decade in prison. Maybe you do need to cool your heels for a little bit there. The other part of this, Clay, is why should we care? Because what they're going to say is this is personal stuff. This is Hunter's failings. He's an addict. He's, you know, a sex maniac. Like, it's not it's not anything that has to do with anything more important than that. Lots of things happen in America every day. He'll pay the price, which he won't pay the price, but put that aside. The whole thing was meant to influence at the very top level of government. It's not like his dad was, you know, county commissioner for, you know, some place in the middle of North Dakota. No offense, North Dakota. But his dad was vice president of the United States. Okay? He was he was creating a at least the perception, if not the reality, of steering decisions from the top of the federal government in a way that would benefit our biggest basically enemy, but you could say our biggest challenge, China, and the most corrupt country in Europe that is the closest thing right now to bringing the whole world into World War III, Ukraine. Yes. This stuff matters. It's not just that Hunter's taxes matter. It's Hunter's taxes are part of a scheme that was meant to steer decisions about things as consequential as war and peace for the United States federal government. I know that sounds like crazy talk to some people, but when you're looking at China and you're looking at Ukraine and you're saying you get special access to the vice president and everyone he knows, the whole point is you get special access to VP Biden, Clay, you get access to Obama, too. You get access to the National Security Advisor. You get access to all of it. Yes, and remember... Let's just talk about Ukraine for one moment here, because much of the money that is it is now in public record as a part of this 56-page indictment came from Burisma. Burisma was paying Hunter Biden a million dollars a year, and they immediately cut his payment to $500,000 as soon as his dad left office. But I, you might be sitting around saying, well, that's super interesting, isn't it? Um, and remember Joe Biden bragged about getting the Ukrainian prosecutor who was looking into Burisma fired. So there is a direct line from Hunter Biden being paid by Burisma and a quid pro quo being delivered that Burisma was seeking in terms of the prosecutor looking at Burisma being removed directly based on Hunter uh, Joe Biden saying that he was not going to allow the foreign aid that was directed to Ukraine to be received. Again, this is Joe Biden himself talking about this, bragging about this after he left office in Georgetown. So my point on all this is it's impossible to disentangle Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And for that reason, you asked the question last hour. I do believe this is going to be consequential in 2024 for this reason. The story's not going away, right? They thought five months ago, back in July, that Hunter Biden was going to plead guilty, these two misdemeanors, he was going to have no consequences, and then throughout the entire 2024 election, anytime this came up, Joe Biden could say, my son was investigated, he was prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law because of his last name, and he paid his consequences, and that story is over. Now... For the entire 2024 election cycle, Joe and Hunter Biden are still intermingled. And I think what this is going to do for a lot of people, and I think this is unfortunate on some level, Buck, is a lot of independent voters have decided they don't like Trump 
and they don't like Biden, and they think they're both corrupt. Because that's the way that a lot of people think out there, right? They're sort of alienated from politics. They see two super rich old guys fighting for the presidency. They don't think that that's very reflective of their day-to-day lives. And they say sort of to hell with both of them. And I think actually that benefits Trump. Some of you are saying, what do you mean by that? They're saying to hell with Trump, to hell with Biden. Biden sold himself as something different. The allegations about Trump and him being a, a rich kleptocrat and all that stuff, I'm not saying that I buy it, right? I'm, I think actually getting involved in politics has cost Trump a ton of money instead of getting wealthier like everybody oh, yeah. else does. Trump's actually lost money. But if you were one of those people who bought into the idea of Biden's clean He's going to restore decency and decorum to the White House. Hunter Biden is a really dirty rug that is right on the front porch of the Biden family house. And so, and I think Joe's directly connected to it. And I think more and more people are coming to that conclusion as this House investigation goes on. So I think this is actually a big mess that isn't going away for the Bidens. And I do think it will have some consequence in the 2024 race. I hope you are right. I think it's not going to make any difference whatsoever. But I hope you're right, because it should. It should. You have more faith in the system, I think, at this point, uh, or at least you have some remnant of faith. I have zero faith that the system is going to do anything here. Oh, we should address this, by the way, Clay. People keep saying, are they doing this to prevent Hunter from testifying before Congress? I've gotten this question a lot. Some of our VIPs have even asked this. Uh no, I, I don't think so, because, uh, one, even if they subpoena Hunter to testify before Congress about any of these matters, he'll just be advised to plead the fifth. And and he wouldn't actually even then testify because that's just, you know, you're not going to have him sit there and not answer questions. No point. Uh, so I, I don't think that would make much of a difference. I think they're doing this because there's a political cost to using their... Uh, this is this is getting a little bit into some nuance, but I think they realize the political cost of going after Trump the way they have legally isn't working out necessarily the way they thought it would, and they're going to have a tough time making that all stick if the president's son is clearly, in the most egregious ways, getting away with all kinds of actual criminal activity. You know what I mean? I, I think that they felt like they had, I agree with Andy McCarthy on this, they had no choice at this point. They tried to not bring charges. They had to bring these charges. I think there's a level of embarrassment that most lawyers won't take. And I think what happened was Merrick Garland, the attorney general, felt like he was being thoroughly disrespected in the way the Hunter Biden fix was in. And once that brave judge, Norieka, said no... They were beyond the pale of defensible legal conduct, and they said, we can't, we tried to get the fix in for you. If it had gone through, it would have gone through. But once it blew up, all of a sudden it was blowing up on Merrick Garland and on Weiss, the prosecutor here. We do have a Moby story coming up, perhaps, to share with everybody, or at least someone does, perhaps. Yes, it should be fantastic. In the meantime... I just came back. I was in uh, D.C., uh, not D.C., I was in New York City last Friday. I was raising money for Tunnel the to Towers at their gala event, Marriott Marquis in Times Square. They raised over $5 million. Frank Siller and his crew, it was amazing uh, to see all of those widows 
who had come that had had the mortgage-free homes purchased to see all of the money being raised and all of the Gold Star families. And Frank got up and he gave a really strong address saying that his new goal was not just to take care of all the first responder families and all the military families and all the police officers who were losing their lives in the line of duty trying to make sure that you and me and all of us are safe. It was also to eradicate homelessness among United States veterans. Uh, and they are underway right now building these new homes and these new apartments all over the United States to take our veterans off the streets, put them inside of a home, help them get their lives back in order, get them off the streets. You can join me and Buck in helping to make that happen by joining Tunnel to Towers, $11 a month. It's not much more than a cup of coffee, and you and your wife would go out and grab once a month, right? You will be able to know that you are doing something great just by donating $11 a month. Join us in doing that at T2T.org. Again, the goal is to end homelessness once and for all among our vets. Phenomenal organization, 95.1% of all dollars go directly to assisting others, T2T.org. It's Compass, pointing due right every day. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That is Moby. For those of you out there who might have forgotten about Moby, the 90s uh, sort of emo DJ. Now, I remember that song now. Do we have the line from Eminem, which is actually, I think, way more well-known now than anything Moby did back in the day? Do we have that Porcelain, which is this song, is a pretty well-known 90s jam, sir. Let's not get crazy. Were there any words to the Porcelain song? I don't remember. Like, Was it just kind of like... There were. Oh, Allie knows. Allie knows a lot about Moby. We're about to talk about this. Uh, but let's play, uh, that's a tease. Uh, <laughs> oh, producer man, Allie, play. uh, let's play, uh, here is, this is what I think of when I hear Moby. Before we knew that he was doing the sit down interview with Hunter Biden that probably sent Abbe Lowell, the $2,500 an hour criminal defense attorney into just like absolute dis- dis- dismay all over uh, his office. Here is uh here is Eminem ridiculing Moby, which I think a lot of you will have heard before because it's a very famous song. Moby, you can get stung by Obi. You 36 year old boy had it You don't know me, you're too old, let go, it's over. Nobody listen to So that is okay, Eminem, so which is by the way, that was I mean really great. I love Eminem. Even you though like I think Eminem? Oh my god, like, this is as like bad Eminem. as your queso anti queso <laughs> position. I do Outrageous. like Eminem. I think he's I think he's a very talented guy. Now I think Outrageous. he's going off the deep end a little bit. Like also, a lot, a lot of, of people, people a lot of people listen to Tech Down. Now I'm exposing one of my uh you know one of my likes out there. I, I disagree with Eminem on that one. Disagree. Uh technology friends, it is driving so much of the market these days if you're in the artificial intelligence space at least. Look, AI's been around for a while, but it is now booming. It is exploding. It is changing the world we live in, and there is massive wealth to be made. Tech writer and expert Colin Tedards thinks that this is the beginning of a new era in the markets as well, where if you know which artificial intelligence-affiliated related companies are going to boom, you could get in on it and get rich in the process. Colin has been writing about technology for years, and he follows the investment cycles associated with it very closely. Look, he offered up a company last year for his readers to invest in. It's up 200% since then. He's got a new AI-based company he thinks could do even better. Go to newaiproject.com to learn more. That's newaiproject.com. Newaiproject.com, paid for by Brownstone Research. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. All right, everybody, it's uh, Friday afternoon. It's story time Friday, apparently, because as many of you know, uh, our phenomenal executive producer, Ali, uh, she was, she was with Rush for over 20 years and she is making sure that we do everything we're supposed to be getting done here on the show day in and day out. And we were talking Moby and I'm just gonna let everybody know, you know, I, I kind of celebrate Moby's whole catalog. I'm not going to lie. I think there's some, some decent, some decent jams on there. Clay, very anti the techno lounge DJ music thing or whatever. I don't get it at all. My wife knows all this music from like the Peloton universe, you know, like they play all the house music. So and you, you, you do, never like, listened to Paul Oakenfold when you were driving in the car back in, uh, you know, college days and I don't know that I've ever even heard of that person. Oh, Buck, that's a good one. You don't know I'm Paul impressed. Oakenfold? Wow. Oh, I've yeah. never heard of Paul Oakenfold. To my okay, knowledge. So I mean, that sounds growing up like in New a, York, you, you, you got ex- the, the, my, in my youth, the two dominant music forms were, I would say, like electronic or, you know, techno dance and uh, hip hop. Those were the two things that were everywhere. Yeah. Um, but producer Ali 
was uh, she was there at the origins of Fox News, actually, and had a little story to tell. Producer Ali, we just want to invite you. It's story time with Producer Ali. Yes. So you guys love tell everybody. Put Set me the on the spot here. Well, the year was 1997. I had moved to New York in 96, took a job with Fox News, which literally had just launched. So as a low-level employee, and like many New Yorkers, I had to moonlight. So I got a job at a bar in the East Village, and Moby used to frequent that bar all the time. Now, this is back before he was who everybody knows him to be. And the rave scene was pretty big in New York, and I was a part of it. I'll admit that. And I loved, loved his music. But I will say we, I did get asked out. I did not By go Moby. Out, Moby asked you out. He was very, very sweet, actually. He would walk me home from the bar at night. You know, we'd get off at 4 in the morning, and perfect gentleman. But our politics do not match. So Moby and I were friends. So did but he you go did not by go out Moby? with him. Wait, she, she buried the lead a little bit Moby. here. She did not go out with Moby. I did not but go out with Moby, but he was a very, very nice guy. He, he was very nice, but he was not yet Moby. Now, without that, what well, Clay he was, was asking Moby for the for the techno scene. He oh, was okay. very, very, very well known in that circle, but he wasn't. But he wasn't. Su- he wasn't super famous. Nineties. When did Moby. he become really famous, Moby? I would say with the album Play. Yeah, like that would have been like when ninety nine was it, Buck? Oh, ninety nine. Wow, I'm way off. Okay. Yes. All right, so it came out in 99. When he got famous, did you wish that you had dated him? No. Because I'm straight. I think I would have dated him in, 90, in 99. I knew he was famous. Like, so I, you know. his politics are very to the left. I just don't think we, I think we would have had too many arguments. How did you know uh, his politics? Like, you guys would just sit around in the East Village the, and talk politics? Yeah, I mean, as a bartender, you get talking to everybody, and we, we would talk pretty extensively. He knew I worked for Fox. I didn't know you were a bartender once. What was the primary drink in 97 that people would order in the East well, Village Well, I worked in a dive in? bar, so Schlitz out of a can. Uh, it, we, we had all kinds of um, concoctions that we would make. What would you make in a night in 97, a good night at a dive bar in the East Village? As long as the Europeans didn't come in and I made tip, I would I could pull a couple hundred dollars in tips. Nice. Now, yeah. do you think Moby would remember you? Like, if we sent this clip to Moby, oh do you think God. Moby would be like, oh, I remember Allie, the bartender at the East Village who I asked he, out. He used he to walk home and she He would probably remember the bar. I don't know that he would remember me specifically, but he would remember the bar, definitely. Are you and Moby the same height and weight, roughly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he was walking her home at night to, to, to protect her, but, like, yeah. really, I think producer Allie would probably be uh, better in a scrap uh, than but Moby But hold on, be. Allie. You are, what, 5'4"? Three. Five three. So you and Moby are basically the same height. So if Moby had been six foot and had absolutely the exact same everything else, would you have dated him? Again, the politics really. She's, you know, my wife. It's all, it's all ideological, Clay. So she's got an out. She's got an out. Clay, guys, Clay you have you ever Laura. been in a relationship with somebody who literally you, you can't agree with on fundamental things with politics? I mean, I, I think I've been in one for twenty years. <laughs> 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 uh, and not just politics on anything. No, I was going to say, uh, Laura is 5'2". And I asked my wife once, I'm six foot. I asked my wife once, I was like, if I were five, you know, seven, would you have dated me? And she said, no. I said, you're 5'2". You know, like the, the, the hair thing for women and the oh, height no. thing. Men, Women they get are, away with everything on this. I come to us. across in my, and you know, I, I was a, I was a single man, unmarried until a year ago when Carrie and I got married. So I, I was out, out there in the world, and I will say that 
women are, in my experience, now I'm, I mean, Clay and I are basically the same height, but, uh, they are ruthless in their heightism. Yes. If they care about height, they, they are more ruthless about that than, it. now some women don't care, and that's, that's all. And by the good. way, I get it, if you're like a 5'9 or a 5'10 woman, I understand why you might want to be with a taller man, but how tall is Gerard, Allie? Like he's six foot or above, six right? 6'3. Six three. Your your husband is six three. You're five three. My wife is five two. What is Carrie? Like five five, something like that? No, no. She's five three. Okay. Yeah. I bet all three of them, if we really gave them truth serum, they'd be like, Yeah, I wouldn't get married to a guy under, you know, six feet. Or within six six feet, like, you know and, and there's no male like if I if I said like you or I said Buck, but like, okay, what's your what where do you draw the line? You're like, I, I don't think I would want to, you know, get married to a, a fat girl. Uh, no offense. You would, and right now, people just are like, oh my, how dare he? But you can control what you weigh. Bald men and short men are discriminated against more than anyone on the planet, and it's open, right? Like, every woman's like, oh yeah, you know, I'll, I don't like bald guys, and I don't like short guys. You can't really control your baldness or your, your height, right? And women, like overwhelmingly will say that guy says anything like I don't like girls who weigh more than 150 it's like how, how dare he like what does he is he a you know you might as well be just lighting yourself on fire on the dating scene yeah I'm just gonna plead the fifth on a lot of this <laughs> I'm now. just gonna uh, stay quiet it's all true yeah. all right so <laughs> what's the last time you saw Moby oh but that was in the 90s maybe the in early the 90s. Two, well our circle of friends would would overlap a bit so maybe early 2000s as well and again, mm-hmm. he so was did a you really ever have nice a dramatic goodbye? Very, very nice. No, he's a very nice guy. It's just you can be friends, but I I do believe if your politics don't align, it's really hard sometimes to be in a relationship. Even in her twenties, producer Ali, no communists. Communists not acceptable. So I I respect that. I go. I mean I'm really impressed, especially once he became famous, because most people. Famous musicians, I'm told, do not have trouble picking up girls. Did, did, was, there, was there like anyone who was uh, like super famous in the Nashville, you know, your your year, either in college or uh, in high school, you know, that became famous later on? You didn't really know at the well, time. Well, I mean, I'm knew... talking about this Nate Bargatze, who is now one of the most famous comedians in the, uh, you know, like in all of comedy, is my exact age and a friend of mine now, and we kind of came up together. He would come on the local sports talk radio show that I did. And now, I mean, if you he go sells on out, Netflix, He sells out arenas now. Oh, I mean, I mean yeah. I mean, yeah. he's I would say one of the 10 or 15 probably biggest comedians, uh, stand-up comedians in the country now. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Yeah, he sells out arenas all over the country. I mean, I bet a lot of people listening to us right now are like, yeah, he and I are the exact same age I, in Nashville. I, I will Anytime I see something he does, I'll watch it. So that, yeah. And there are very few com- most of my my uh, family and I over Thanksgiving actually we wanted to you know the the, the siblings right my adult uh, adult siblings we were we had just finished eating and and everything and we tried to find a uh, stand up special to watch and we must have cycled through five or six couldn't last more than five minutes into them they were horrible and we went on and we found one of Nate's and uh, it was very good so he's got no he's great I mean I would encourage especially if you need something that's clean because you're out there and you're like, hey, you know, I'm worried about, which would make sense. Like, right, if you sit down and watch a comedy special, they can go, uh, pretty, uh, pretty vile or pretty, yeah. uh, R-rated very quickly. You can watch him. He's a clean comic. Well, well I just want to say, producer Ali, thank you for your Moby story. Yes. So she knew Moby back in the day. You know, if, I think it was a few years 
below me uh, in high school um, that one of my Regis classmates, I believe, my little brother can confirm this because he was five years, uh, but I believe took uh, Stephanie Germanata to the Regis prom before she was Lady Gaga. So oh, I think wow. that happened. I was yeah, going to say, Lady I don't Gaga. know who Stephanie Germanata is. Yeah, yeah, Lady Gaga. I'm pretty sure she went to... Uh, to the, to the prom anyway. So, you know, stuff out. Where, did Taylor Swift grow up in Nashville or am I imagining? She came, she came, uh, to Nashville. She's a decade younger than me, but a bunch of the kids that were in her high school class obviously are still, uh, good friends. But she with, is a Nashville right? Am I, am I right? I mean, I think or? you, I think she moved there when she was like 14. So oh, she okay. went to high school in Nashville. So I think she was All from right. Pennsylvania originally. We are going to take your calls and we're going to return to politics and hard news and important things here. Um, including the throwdown that I clearly won uh, by knockout over Salsa versus Queso. I'm just saying. The data the data speaks strongly on that one. We have more data for you. But, you know, last weekend I was on stage with our friend Dutch Mendenhall and a bunch of other great names out there like Tucker Carlson at the Invest Wealth Summit. Now, Dutch is the co-founder of Rad Diversified, president of the Alternative Investment Association, and a guy ambitious enough to invite hundreds of investors to spend three days learning about alternative investments. Look, full disclosure, I'm an inner circle member. I have invested in Rad Diversified myself because I believe in what they're doing. I believe in their real estate vision, the way that they're trying to continue to grow and bring great returns for their investors. So I'm already in it, but try Dutch's book, Money Shackles. Okay, Money Shackles is a great book that will give you some of his vision about exactly how he thinks you can become wealthy too using real estate and alternative investment strategies so get ready for the redefined american dream with money shackles go to the rad that's t-h-e-r-a-d the rad.com so you can get your copy of money shackles that's the rad.com don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24-7. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. 
when I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Ali now continuing to talk off air. Evidently, this was not even a legal bar. Is Ali still there? All over the East Village, they just had, like, basically hidden bars, and you could come in and you could drink, and uh, they weren't officially licensed bars. And now that doesn't exist very much, I guess. Although I have seen, where is it now, Brooklyn, where they basically just have a red light district? Have you seen that story? I've seen it on the New York Post a couple of times, like uh, front page stories, like the, the the Eric Adams era of New York. He's a 28%, I think, approval rating right now, I saw, is not necessarily, in the Quinnipiac poll, not necessarily been well-received across the board. Um, and actually, I don't know if we talked about this, Buck, but um, there is talk that Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, may make a comeback as a contender for New York City mayor and that he would run theoretically against Eric Adams and they did a poll on it and he had a 20 point lead and buck I think if Eric I think if Cuomo beat Eric Adams that would be his jumping off point to run for president of the United States don't you think and I mean I know yes. he would have not gotten back to governor but his profile would not have taken such a permanent hit that if he won the mayoral the, the mayor's race he could run in 2028 for the Democrat nomination. I don't think that's crazy to think. I think that's, I think that's all accurate. I think that, uh, he probably would beat Eric Adams and that would then mean that the people will have spoken, so to speak, uh, and he could then run for higher office beyond that. He's already been governor of New York. So what yeah. else is there? He doesn't want to be. A and senator. his profile, his profile is very well known. Uh, Bob says he's in Moscow. So this is probably going to Russia. Uh, if he's not, yes, not, not Idaho. Moscow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what have you got for us, Bob? Well, I'm just wondering if President Biden's only reason for opening the borders after the, the first day he took office was because of the cartels and the China influence with the drugs. That's how the mafia works. You do what we say, we take care of your kid. And that's why where Hunter Biden was getting all the money, the same thing, the extortion with Ukraine. Why is there a, an Ukraine war? Because if it didn't happen and Russia took over or more investigation was done in Ukraine, they'd find out the same thing, that Biden was being extorted and making millions of dollars off of it. Yeah. 
Because I'm not seeing that. Um, I, I'm not seeing the connection here, really. But I, can I can I ask you? I mean, I don't know if you're able to say this. What are you doing in Moscow right now? Um, I'm a teacher. Oh, how long have how's you been go- there? How's it going there? Yeah, yeah. How's, how's life in Russia these days? Tell us about that. That's interesting. Really, life is really no different. Inflation is just the same as what it is in the United States, and people are griping about it. You know. There's not much the life ha- the lifestyle really hasn't changed except for the Russians can't travel many as many places they can't. Do, do you feel here. safe as as an American there in terms of uh, you know you can just go about your life and as long as you're not causing any problems for Putin like there's no big deal or do you get a little worried? Oh yeah, there's no big deal. Actually, I feel safer here than I would in Chicago. I can walk here at night being a pensioner, whereas walking by myself at night in Chicago, I'd probably be mugged or shot or killed. How long have you been in Russia? This is my seventh year. So you went over there. Did you think about coming back at all during the war with Ukraine? I'm just curious. If you wanted to get Um, to the United States now. I didn't come back because of COVID because there's no way on this earth that I would get a COVID shot just to come back to America. Well, I understand that. and with Ukraine, to me, it's a political issue. It's a government issue. It's not a, a normal person issue. Yes, the attitudes have changed towards Americans because of everything going on in, with Ukraine and also with what's going on in the Middle East. Now, can but, you, I, and I don't know the answer to this either, but if you wanted to fly back to the United States, you're a citizen. You can't yep, come no direct, problem. right? I think it's correct that no. there's no direct flights now, so you would have yeah, to go through I somewhere in Europe, I presume. Yeah, you go most either go to Armenia or Turkey or Dubai. Okay, and, and is there is there any sense at all that the like the the Russians aren't going to continue this fight in Ukraine, or just from what you pick up, are they just in it till the end, in it to win it? It's in it to the end, and basically, if you basically all Russia wants is the Donetsk-Donbass region, which includes Crimea, because the majority of that section is probably 80% Russian ethnic, and they speak Russian. And when all this went on with the Ukraine thing, with the supposed Ukrainian takeover of the Ukrainian government back in 2013 and Russia taking Crimea, the next, the, the next region has already always been separated for the last ten years, and there's been fighting. And basically, they've the only people that were allowed out of there for the longest time were women and children, not men or boys. They basically were eliminated, and Russia just got to the point now is enough's enough. And they just want that region as a buffer zone. They're not going to go into Europe. Do you listen to us? Thank thank you, by the way, for that analysis. Do you listen to us every day? Almost every day I can. It depends on my tutoring schedule and work schedule. Because you come on in the evening, and the evening tends to be my busiest time, except Friday nights. I never work Friday nights because either I'm out with friends drinking or at home preparing for next week. All right. Well, that was really interesting, man. Uh, yeah, thank you stay for the safe call. over there. Please keep listening. It's really cool to have uh, Team Clay and Buck Moscow. Who would have thought? I like it. So No, it's great. Although, if well, you ever look at back. a map, we have listeners all over the world because of the military and military bases. So. Yeah, right. That doesn't surprise me at all. I, I wouldn't have expected uh, uh, Russia, though. All right. We come back. Uh, we'll dive into the latest on Hunter Biden. Also, Buck's totally wrong on queso. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 